Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to our new PR Week podcast episode with Arvind Hickman. I'm Ivan Hickman and welcome to The PR Show. Today, we're taking a look at how some of the hardest hit industries and their comms partners are coping with the coronavirus crisis. I'm joined by Rooster PR MD, James Brook, whose agency specializes in comms for the travel and lifestyle industries. Also on our virtual panel is Palm PR and Digital Founding Director, Liam Keogh. Palm serves clients in lifestyle, hospitality, food and drink, amongst others. Welcome to you both. Good afternoon. Hi, Arvind. Great to be here. The aim of today's podcast is to get an insight into how struggling businesses are coping with the crisis and the comms challenges that they face. In the second part of today's show, we will look at how this disruption is having an impact on agency partners and the industry more broadly. The global economic lockdown has had a disproportionate impact on sectors like travel, tourism and hospitality. For example, The World Travel and Tourism Council recently projected the global crisis will result in a loss of 75 million jobs and $2.1 trillion in revenue. Just today, Virgin boss Richard Branson issued a plea for a £500 million bailout, while other airlines across the world have had to furlough staff and make redundancies to significant chunks of their workforce. Several reports have warned of an existential threat to the hospitality sector as hotels, restaurants and other venues shut their doors with no idea of when they may reopen. James and Lean have a real insight into how dire the situation is. And I thought I'd start off with you, James. Can you explain how much this crisis has had an impact on clients in tourism and travel? Yes. So, look, the the global travel and tourism industry um, has been shut down as a result of uh, the coronavirus. So, you know, there is there is no way to sugarcoat it or to put a positive take on it it is you know pretty desperate times uh, for the tourism sector uh, both in the uk and, and and globally can you give us an indication of some of the types of businesses that have been really hard hit yeah so it is across the board um but i would you know obviously start with the airline sector so you know pretty much the whole of the aviation industry is is shut down. You, you've, you'll have seen um, the pictures on the news in terms of all the grounded aircraft. There are simply no planes flying, or those that are flying at the moment are 
repatriation flights um, or flights bringing in kind of equipment for, for, for the NHS. So certainly, you know, aviation um, has completely stopped. Um, but then, you know, the ripple effect of that, we see you know, the closure of uh, all the hotels, restaurants, um, and obviously that's had a massive impact on all of the, all of the other businesses that support um, both sectors as well. So, yeah, the the global travel industry is is in effect on on pause at the moment. So it's it's I guess it's sort of in a holding pattern, isn't it? Is, are there any indications of when parts of this industry might reopen? For example, we've seen over in places like China, they're slowly starting to reopen their economy. Do they sort of offer some some um, green shoots? Yeah, look, that's a it's a really interesting point, and the you know there's it's hotly debated at the moment as to when um, the travel industry will start to open up again. Um, look, the the travel industry has been affected, um, unlike most others, in terms of just about every issue and crisis. Um, certainly, in the twenty years that I've been uh, working in, in the travel industry, you know, in, you look at the likes of with the collapse of Thomas Cook recently to the ash cloud um, crisis um, to all of you know, the political turmoil um, and, um, and crises, you know, globally. So the industry is very resilient and it's very good at bouncing back after significant periods of challenges. But I think everyone is in agreement now that this isn't going to be you know, a V-shape. It's not going to be a, a big dip and then an immediate bounce back. Um, obviously, from a UK perspective, you know, no one is unaffected by by coronavirus. Um, I think we are going to see a a much slower bounce back in in travel. I think domestic travel will come back um, much quicker. We're all closeted up in our homes, um, and we, we're going to want to get out and explore. Um, but I think the international piece will take much longer. You've, you've also just got the sheer logistics of getting aircraft back in the skies. Um, you know, like any mechanical device, like your cars, your know, aircraft do not like sitting uh, unused on the tarmac. So there's going to be some serious logistical implications of just getting the planes flying again. And then we are going to be faced with a general nervousness um, within consumers in terms of doing international travel, um, you know, worries and concerns about being stranded abroad, you know, if there were to be any, you know, second, third outbreaks of, of, of coronavirus. Okay. What about in terms of, of some of the um, airlines and, and other travel operators and how they're, they're sort of dealing with, with the fact that their staff can't work? Are we seeing a lot of them just furloughing for as long as possible or are we starting to see some deep cuts and redundancies? Um, yeah, so look, the, the, the government uh, job retention scheme, the furloughing, um, you know, has, has been a huge help um, and, you know, is, is, is absolutely playing its part in terms of coming to the table to, to support the travel and tourism sector. And I don't think the, the industry would, you know, would debate that. Um, the issue we have is the longer it goes on, the more that that furloughing is likely to turn into um, – into a redundancy scenario. So we've just seen the furloughing extended to um, to the end of June. I think that's that's a really positive step. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see what happens after June. And certainly we are starting to see um, uh, many of the travel businesses start to talk about um, more of a layoff perspective um, rather than furloughing. Okay. Liam, what's it, what's it been like in hospitality, restaurants, food and drink? How, how has that been impacted? Well, I think there's two stories to tell. I think um, on the hospitality side, it's very similar to what we were hearing earlier about travel and tourism. Um, the figures for March are out now, and they're saying that sales at restaurants and bars, they're down 60%. Um, and obviously, April is going to be a lot tougher than that, I think. Just to echo what's been said, the government has been very proactive economically, and I do think that the package that they've given to the hospitality industry in the form of business rate relief grants and then also the um, option to furlough staff has been a real saving grace. Um, mm -hmm. The problem is there are portions of the industry that weren't going into this crisis in a good place, um, and I think what people need to be aware of is that there's a coronavirus economic impact happening at the moment, but there was negative growth in the first quarter of this year, or potentially there was negative growth in the first quarter of this year, and there'll certainly be a recession after this. So the industry's kind of got to grapple with the lockdown. Um, and my opinion is that actually weathering the lockdown is not going to be the toughest part of this because of the amount of government support that's going on. Um, however, after that, they're going to have to deal with a strange new dynamic in the way society is interacting. So are we going to be going in and out of lockdown? Are there going to be social distancing measures in place ongoing? Um, and, of course, demand is going to be down because there's likely going to be unemployment across the board or an increase in unemployment across the board, which is going to dampen consumer spending. Um, and consumers are going to be reluctant to spend because, obviously, this whole situation has made people very reserved about how they're using their cash. Um, and you see that with businesses and what they're spending, but also in terms of what consumers are wanting to spend. So household saving will probably take priority over other things. And what I would say is that the hospitality industry um, has been extremely dynamic and flexible. Um, and I think we're certainly seeing a massive change now. When coronavirus first hit and the lockdown was first announced, I think a lot of the industry went into panic and didn't necessarily know how to act. It was a big shock to the system. And obviously, you know, if you're, if you're running a business like that, they were just scrambling for survival. But I think now people are looking to the future and looking to a situation where their business is going to have to live with coronavirus. And what we've seen is so many places opening up for delivery only. Um, mm -hmm. I think some of them are going to do well out of that. Some of them will break even. Some of them will just do it to keep the brand alive. So there is a resilience in there. Um, and obviously, they have options there, which the travel and tourism industry doesn't have, um, in that a restaurant can easily be converted into a delivery model, whereas an airline can't necessarily service people who are staying at home all day. So I think there's a resilience in the sector, but I think there's certainly a lot to um, be concerned about. And I think the biggest challenge is that no one knows the duration of the coronavirus impact, and no one also need, knows um, in what form society is going to be operating in the next couple of years but overall i think i'm i'm pretty positive about it because the clients that we're working with i think there is that adaptation that's happened now i think lots of business leaders are getting their head around the fact that things need to change and they're being dynamic and 
agile and flexible with the way their business models are adapting. Um, and I do think the government support has come um, at the right time, and it's been of a size that should help a lot of viable businesses to get through this, this tough period and hopefully continue trading after it. That's a really good point you raise about how there's a lot of uncertainty in terms of when th- things do return back to normal and when lockdown um, rules are eased. It, it's, not a, it's not a matter of flicking a switch, is it? I mean, it, it should be phased over many, many months. Um, but we don't really know. But James, in terms of the major communications challenges that you've seen, um, how have clients sort of adapted their communications during this period? Yeah, sure. So, so it's, it's been in, in two phases. So the, you know, the, the, the immediate priority from the travel industry perspective uh, from, a, from a comms piece was um, just communicating the realities of the situation, keeping all of uh, the their customers um, and consumers informed. Obviously, with the nature of travel, um, a lot of people abroad on holidays. Um, so a lot of it was about ensuring um, that everyone was brought back to the UK safely. Um, and so that was you know, a real priority you know, at the start, and that was a major comms challenge. But the industry is, is very good at being on the front foot you know, with that, and there, you know, there have been some certainly, in terms of our clients, some some really stellar examples of um, of businesses like Student Universe. Um, you know, all of their team, when you know, there are zero bookings coming in, but the team are busier than ever, working um, you know twenty four seven to ensure that they can you know fly all of uh, all of their customers or their customers home. So that was kind of the the, the real initial focus. Um, mm-hmm. Now that we're we're out of that stage, the challenge now um, is is about the the ongoing of the ongoing promotion of of travel, but at a point when you cannot travel and you cannot book. Um, so at the moment, we're we're very much in in that kind of inspiration phase where you know it, it's not about it's not about selling at all, um, but it's about putting our clients um, on people's bucket lists for travel when the lockdown does loosen up um, and the travel industry opens up again. Um, and obviously that is a challenge in itself um, because the whole industry um, has had to, to change its approach to marketing and comms. Um, you know, whereas a lot of the industry traditionally focuses on, on the price point and the offer. Um, and now, you know, that doesn't feature at all. Um, and it's about providing that armchair inspiration because con- the, the public is at home, consumers are, are at home. They're absorbing more content online and through social than they ever, than they ever have done. And the, the stats are significant. I believe internet usage has doubled and social media is up uh, at least 40%. So there is a real opportunity within that to provide great content and great inspiration Um one to to communicate you know a positive message that people do want at home um but also to provide great content that puts um destinations um and resorts and hotels on that kind of must visit bucket list for when people can travel again 
That, that's an interesting challenge, keeping consideration levels at top of mind of consumers when obviously their mind is, is on a lot of other things at the same time and for an indefinite period at this stage, we don't really know. What are some of the tactics that Rooster has been advising clients to, to, to use? Yeah, so from a, from a, from a tactics perspective, um, it's, about, it's about one, taking a lot of the, the great content that, that we have from a travel perspective um, and reshaping it, repackaging it and repurposing it. Um, to provide more of that inspirational piece. But then now, um, you know, technology is allowing uh, the whole interactive side. um, And there's a real opportunity there uh, from a travel and tourism perspective in terms of interactive uh, cookery classes to provide, um, you know, Caribbean cookery lessons um, or uh, virtual tours um, of of properties and hotels um, and, and, and cities that the clients might already have that great content for. So it's, it is forcing uh, travel marketers and travel uh, comms people to, to think differently. Um, but actually, in many ways, I think that is, that is quite a positive because if you, if you look at traditional travel comms, a lot of it has been very similar for, um, for a long period of time now. And actually, I would argue that the industry has been ripe for disruption from a from a comms perspective, um, and you know, the current crisis that we that we face is forcing uh, travel travel comms professionals to really rethink, you know, their approach um, and to use that uh, terrible phrase, but to to rethink really outside the box. Okay. Uh, Liam, what about in hospitality, food and drink? What are some of the major comms challenges that you've seen and helped clients with? Well, with our clients, we've kind of had a three-pronged approach to this. I think the first um, arm of that was really dealing with the immediate um, direct-to-consumer communications that needed to be done in regards to coronavirus, and this shifted a lot in March as the situation accelerated and the rules started changing in regards to the lockdown and social distancing. So first of all, we were very much centred on telling consumers that the um, hygiene standards, the safety measures that are in place uh, were up to scratch. Um, And then it was about reassuring um, consumers that if venues were closing, they were taking good care of their staff um, and that they were going to be planning to reopen when the situation allowed it. I think the next phase that we're in now is having a communication strategy around living with coronavirus and Mm. that is really about making sure that as the businesses um change course and as they adapt to the new scenario there's a communication strategy in place to actually support those businesses and educate consumers on what they are raise awareness get people to buy the services and the different services that um those businesses have started to offer because actually a lot of the businesses that we represent they're doing stuff that they weren't necessarily doing prior to coronavirus, and we need to create demand for that to support them. And then the third strategy is obviously encouraging consumers to come back to the business after coronavirus and dealing with uh, a situation after coronavirus and returning businesses to a level of income that they were prior to this. Can you give us an example of the somebody living with coronavirus um, messaging or, or tactics that you've used? Because it sounds like quite an interesting thing that people probably haven't really thought much about. I mean, I think the really obvious one, which we're doing with so many of our clients, is we're pivoting the business from a restaurant that had a um, 
a venue where people would visit and buy food as normal to a delivery only option. And I think that that's a big shift because a lot of them had a delivery service, but it wasn't their primary source of revenue. Um, and it wasn't the primary way that consumers experienced the brand. So having a real focus on actually just getting awareness of that offering um, and that they could have that restaurant experience in their home has been a real core focus of any of the campaigns that we're running. I think the main thing that brands need to do at this point um, is to bring purpose to their brand, to actually show that in this very, very difficult time and in this very strange time, um, they're doing something of value. And I think it's important that their customers feel that purpose, get that purpose from them. And likewise, their staff, because lots of them, brands are big employers, they need to bring their staff on their journey with them. I think the Leon campaign is a really, really good example of that. Um, they essentially did a Feed Britain campaign where you could order. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Food from their website and all of the profits for that would go to the Feed NHS campaign, which is all about giving healthy meals to NHS workers. Mm. And I think that was a really clever and powerful thing to do. One, because it it worked to um, support uh, a charity and organisation uh, that lots of consumers would be behind and also supported the um, fight against coronavirus. Um, and I'm sure it would have given purpose and pride to their staff, especially if they've had to furlough a lot of their staff um, and then finally, obviously, it got people going onto the website and buying the product. Um, so I think, think activations like that that can support the business and do it with purpose and give um, brands pride and give consumers an understanding that they are actually supporting the community, I think those are the campaigns that will make a real difference. Um, and I think brands need to be thinking about that because I think the worst thing any brand can do, especially in the hospitality sphere, is to assume that, coronavirus is going to be a lockdown which people come out of and then it's business as usual and that all they need to do is sort of hold on tight until coronavirus passes i think the reality of it is that coronavirus is going to last for years i think the um hospitality industry is going to be the last industry that comes out of this the government has said that as, as much already 
Um, so they need to have a strategy, really, that says, right, coronavirus is going to be around for all of 2020, maybe for the first half of 2021. How's the business going to operate um, in those circumstances? And how is the communication strategy that we've got in place supporting that new type of business that we've got? Because it's not just enough to keep the brand alive um, in that time with social media content. There needs to be purpose behind the brand. There needs to be some kind of tangible consumer experience. And obviously there are some businesses where that's very, very difficult to do, but the Mm -hmm. hospitality industry is well-placed to do that still. And as I said earlier, I don't think it's all doom and gloom. I do think there's a, there's a positive story to tell with hospitality, but it's about being proactive. Um, And if you're not proactive, I think it's very easy to fall behind um, on the communications. Okay. James, I just wanted to uh, sort of ask you, in terms of some of the other broader challenges that some of these businesses face, I mean, Virgin's, Virgin's an obvious one to go to. They've always had quite a bit of backlash for asking for government help, not, not just in, in the UK, but also in Australia and other markets. I believe there will be other airlines that are having similar issues. How does a business like that get the tone right and the messaging right? I mean, the airline industry has, I guess, has dominated the headlines, certainly in, in the recent weeks from a, from a travel and tourism perspective, um, with the likes of, of Virgin Atlantic and, and Branson, but also uh, EasyJet and, you know, and Stelios, where, you know, in March, you know, he took, you know, a 60 million, you know, dividend out of a total 171 million dividend pot that was, that was paid out. So there is a real... Um, you know, there's a there's a real debate about you know the airlines, you know, seeking government funding and government bailouts, um, but yet they're owned by billionaires or they're still paying out these these large dividends. So, you know, we're going to see um, we're going to see an increasing number of of airline failures. We've already had South African Airways um, and Virgin Australia, you know, as well. Um, have both entered administration and and I think we're going to see I think we're going to see more um, so you know I think it's it, it is certainly tough times ahead and you know again to talk a little bit I guess to dovetail a bit with what Liam was saying um, you know the the airlines have got to they've got to really communicate delicately um, show their real purpose the shareholders have got to come to the table first off um and they need to communicate you know really transparently um and they need to come to the table first and then you know hopefully you know the governments will will play their part um on on coming to the table with you know commercial loans with you know commercial terms Mm. attached to them so it's not actually a a bailout it is a loan that will be paid back uh you know in time but then there's there's huge you know government resistance to in effect you know taking stakes uh in airlines so it's like it's 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 a very difficult space um i think it makes for some very easy tabloid-esque headlines um and i think that the 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 comms directors you know have got a real challenge uh you know on their hands um i think they need to you know they need to come to the table first and foremost with what are the what's the shareholder play in this what's the shareholder contribution um and then i believe you know public goodwill will follow um and then 
there is an argument for that government support because when we do come out of um you know this current crisis again i do agree with liam in that you know it's it's not going to be an immediate return but when we do come out of this crisis you know we need aviation um you know we need to continue to be um a large player a significant player on the global stage um, and aviation is a critical part of that not just from a travel perspective but from a um, from a contributor to GDP um, and to the UK's um, the UK's place uh, on the global stage um, and if we let these these airlines you know fail now you know we're going to pay the price for that in the long term Okay. Liam, are there any sort of similar delicate situations in hospitality that, that you've been, been monitoring? No, I, I don't think so. And I think the hospitality industry has been very, very good at putting their staff and their customers at the heart of their communications. And I think for any brand that's experiencing difficulties and any brand that is seeking government support over and above the government support that is already in the pipeline and been given, I think a... Um, clever thing to do is to show that actually government bailouts, government supports are going to be retaining jobs. They're going to be lessening the impact on um, staff's lives. Um, and also they're going to be helping out customers. So I think the hospitality industry has done a very, very good job of putting a human face on all the different brands that they've got. Um, and obviously at the early stage of this, they did a lot of work sort of in the press, lobbying the government on different support packages. And they obviously came through very quickly after that. Um, so I think I think the hospitality industry doesn't have such a challenge. Of course, a lot of the businesses are smaller as well, so they're not needing any kind of significant bailout, and there doesn't seem to be headlines about business owners taking huge amounts of money out of the company and then also expecting a government handout on top of that. So I think I think they've they've handled that in a different way. I, the, the benefit is that there's so many small businesses in the hospitality sector, obviously in aviation you've got a handful of very, very big companies and mm. consumers, consumer sympathy for a massive multi-billion pound conglomerate is always going to be less than consumer sympathy for your local community restaurant where you know the chef. So I don't think they have the same challenges, uh, but I do think that brands need to be really, really tactful um, and they really need to show that they're putting their staff first. Obviously, Weatherspoons ran into some trouble because they appeared not to be doing that. Um, mm-hmm. I think that is... Uh, a rare example in an industry that has handled the communications on this situation rather well. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about how this situation is impacting your own businesses. James, what sort of impact has this coronavirus had on Rooster PR in terms of the work that you're currently doing with clients and also in terms of some of your HR um, issues that you have to deal with? Yeah, look, the, obviously the, the, the downturn um, or the, the effect that coronavirus has had on the, on the travel and tourism sector has, you know, it, it has impacted Rooster. Um, we've, we, and it, it's, it's hit us in two ways. We, there was an immediate um, commercial hit where, you know, a number of travel clients, you know, looking to, looking to make savings and looking to make savings, you know, quickly. Um, so we sort of felt that um, almost, almost immediately um and we've been working with clients um either to enable them to go on pause for for two to three months or at a or at a reduced fee level um Mm. but we've then had a sort of a second wave that's come in which is where you know some of the some of the, the government contracts are now starting to be 
to be looked at. So, look, with you know, without a doubt, we you know we've seen um, you know at least two thirds of our of our travel client portfolio you know affected. Um, you know, my aim you know throughout this uh, this situation is is not to lose a single client, um, and to date we haven't done because we're working to support them, you know, as best as we can. Um, and, you know, I think we'll come out of the other end of this much stronger. Um, you know, it's at times like this when you support and stand by your your clients and help them navigate really tricky times that you you really build that that depth of of relationship, um, you know, for, for when times pick up again. So, you know, I'm it hasn't been easy, but I'm, you know, pretty positive about the scenario moving forward. Um, and while, you know, we've discussed already uh, on this podcast that, you know, it's not going to be a V-shaped dip. It's not going to be, you know, a quick bounce back. Um, you know, there, is, but the industry is going to come back. You know, okay. Brits will travel again. Um, we are very resilient. Um, we will travel and we will want a holiday. Um, and I think there'll be significant opportunities um, in that um, to reinvent our comms for, for, for clients um, and also hopefully to, you know, to pick up some, some pretty significant projects. Um, and actually, and I should also add to that, that the, the actual new business and pitching environment um, that has actually hasn't, hasn't stopped or slowed down um and actually i submitted a um an rfp for for a pretty big tourist board um last friday um so that side of it is it is still carrying on mm -hmm. what about in terms of your people have you had to place anybody on the job retention scheme um have you had to lose any staff or make any cuts in that that aspect um so we uh so we're so we're, we're a team of 20 um and we have um we've we've put three on three on furlough um so i mean we are you know we're we're split um kind of in an an even third travel third consumer and lifestyle and a third business and, and corporate and certainly on the consumer side and um and the business and corporate side you know that is you know very much business as normal or in many ways um seeing how we can make our clients relevant uh, in, the, in the current environment so that's you know carried on um not as normal um and with some clients it's significantly upweighted um so yeah the, the, the travel side is is definitely taken has definitely taken a hit um but you know we are um you know we, we we've done some amazing work for clients in that initial kind of issues management piece and then some some really exciting work about how we can reinvent travel comms to make it relevant to the armchair traveler at mm -hmm. the moment um and then look i remain pretty positive and optimistic and buoyant about you know when the industry does start to recover um the opportunities both for our existing clients um, but also you know potentially for for new clients um, and new client projects when that when that picks up which you know i'd like to think is is, is going to start to happen after the summer okay liam how, what has the impact been on palm so far so 
half of our business is devoted to hospitality, um, and that has obviously been hit significantly. Um, we furloughed a sizable portion of the staff, um, but we were quite aggressive in responding to coronavirus fairly early on. Um, so we moved very quickly just to insulate the business from the effects of it. So we were very proactive with talking to our clients about contract pauses, new contracts, uh, changes to the fee structure, uh, payment plans. Um, so I, I'm extremely positive about dealing with life in coronavirus um, as an agency. I think the bigger challenge is going to be operating post-coronavirus when we're sort of operating in what would be a sort of traditional recession, um, but perhaps a little bit more exaggerated with people spending wanting to spend a lot less. Um, we've been really, really fortunate. We've got a very, very good team. A lot of them have been with us for many, many years. So everyone has really, really pulled together over this time. So those that have furloughed, uh, have been furloughed, um, have been really behind this decision. Those who are on in the agency still are working really, really, really hard. Um, and our commitment is not to lose any members of staff and not to lose any clients. And we're still in that position at the moment. Um, but I think that businesses need to be really aggressive with how they're responding to this and how they're protecting themselves, because I do believe that the effects of this will be felt till summer 2021 um, in terms of the economic impact. Okay. You made an interesting point that I want to touch on, and I'll, I'll, after you, I'll, I'll ask James the same thing. But yeah. you mentioned that it, it's going to change the way you might operate in the future. Can you give us just a very brief outline of how you think that, that might play out? Well, uh, one thing that I've seen which has been really amazing over this time is I do feel that the client relationships have really intensified and really strengthened. Um, and we've taken a much more of a partnership relationship with our clients everyone's been having to have very very frank conversations about what money they've got what money they can spend um, and i do believe that agencies that partner with their clients to bring them through this crisis are going to have long-term client relationships with these businesses afterwards so i think the this sort of approach to client relationships will perhaps change after this uh the the sheer frequency we've been um having dialogues with our clients in terms of calls, Zoom meetings, this kind of thing has massively increased. I've seen a benefit of that tremendously. I think I think every business going forward will be resisting overmanning because obviously there's massing, massive overmanning in the economy. We've got really high employment, very low productivity. So I think we're going to see less, less people working in organizations going forward. And I think people are going to be a lot more conservative with how they're spending money. They're going to be wanting to have savings in the bank because I think a lot of businesses didn't have any kind of buffer, any kind of support when this came in. Uh, likewise, people are going to be taking on debt very reluctantly. People don't want to be in a situation where a crisis hits and they're, you know, 5% margin away from massive exposure. Um, so I think in terms of the way, way businesses operate their finances, it's going to massively change. Um, but I think in terms of relationships, that's going to be the biggest change. Relationships with staff, relationships with clients um, are going to be put at the forefront of every business. Okay. And James, I'll give you the final word. How do you think this whole situation, this whole coronavirus crisis, might impact or change the way that Rooster um, operates? Yeah, look, I, I don't either think or want Rooster to be the same agency after we come out of this. I think there is, there's a real 
opportunity in the difficult time that we're in now for for us as rooster to to slightly re reinvent ourselves um i think the the team have been amazing um about embracing the new kind of working normal um if anything i think our productivity has has increased i think our interactivity um, and relationships with with clients has increased and, and deepened um and i'm actually quite excited and already thinking about um how we can slightly recreate rooster you know off off the back of this um and i've got a whole list of of ideas um uh that i want to implement you know afterwards um that i think will be be really positive will be positive for the agency as a whole uh, but more importantly our staff and, and our clients can you share one or two of them yes yeah, so um I think the I think that those days of um, of, a, of a desk at an office um, of having your own desk at an office is is, is probably gone. Um, I think I have a vision of large kitchen tables um, and you know everyone doing much more um, uh, of that 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 interactive working piece. Um, no one you know at their own desk. Um, each day um a lot more meetings on the move um a lot more dynamic working i know the industry's been heading heading down that route that route for a while um but i think for us i think for, for rooster um we'll 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 change we'll change significantly okay fantastic thanks for that james and that is all we have time for today I'd like to thank our guests, James and Liam, for being so open and sharing your views at this difficult time. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and found it valuable, please do subscribe to PR Week and follow our coronavirus coverage. I'd also like to thank our production partners, marketeers, and you, our valued listeners, for joining us today. Until next time, on behalf of the PR Week team, goodbye. Thanks for listening to the PR Show podcast with Arvin Hickman. Brought to you by PR Week. If you like what you heard, please leave us a nice review.